0: At first glance, it seems like uh, when you turn the news on or if you get on Facebook, there's, there's bad news everywhere. There's division, and, and uh, I probably don't have to tell you, but I will in case you've been in a coma. We've, we never have seemed to, seemed to be more divided tonight than we are uh, in the present time in history. From a geographical perspective, from a racial perspective, from a political perspective, gender perspective, religious perspective, we seem to be uh, extremely divided, and. Uh, I I genuinely believe that the politicians in Washington, D.C. are a reflection of that, and even our own testimonies are a reflection of that. And I I genuinely believe that this division comes from Satan. I genuinely believe tonight that the division that we see in our homes, in our personal walk, in our churches, in our country is, is from Satan. And military doctrine postulates that the easiest way to conquer an enemy is to divide them. And I genuinely believe tonight that we've never been more divided than we are, and I firmly believe that this division comes from Satan. So tonight, as the message progresses, I want you to think about uh, the, the, the house tonight. I want you to think about the, the home. I want you to think about our church, and I want you to think about your personal walk or even your body. Those are going to be the three homes tonight that we examine. So... Uh, and I believe that when we're not strong in our faith, our homes won't be either and neither will our church be, which as a result makes the country weak as well. And what ends up happening is we fall into sin and our churches preach a watered-down gospel. And as a result, lots and lots of people are marched straight to hell simply because the devil has divided us so, in so many ways. So if you're, if you're in your Bible... You can, you can remain seated for the sake of time, but Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, is where we'll start. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So this will be our key text tonight, but verse 26 continues and says, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil this house, his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful night tonight, Father. We thank you for your revealed word. We pray that you'll be with us as the message progresses, Lord. And I pray that you'll remove me from the equation and give me the power to say only what I'm supposed to say, Lord. And I pray that our hearts will be open to it. For it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. So, the message, uh, the title of the message tonight, comes out of Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. And uh, a house divided against itself shall not stand. So, uh, on June 16, 1858, Abraham Lincoln was uh, running for Senate, and he had just accepted the candidacy for the Republican Party there in the state of Illinois. And as a result of accepting that candidacy, he was giving a speech. He would eventually go on to be defeated by Stephen Douglas in that senatorial election, but he was giving a speech. And during that speech, he paraphrased Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. And uh, the the words uh, that a house divided against itself shall not stand would be very prophetic in just a few short years as America would be plunged into a, a terrible civil war. And in the context of Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln's speech, his, his speech was about slavery and the evil institution. And there's no doubt that there are parallels to the evil in this country uh, compared to the evils of the time in which he's speaking. So we, we see that uh, we have tonight a great division and it's a question that we have to ask ourselves tonight. In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, we see the prophet Elijah uh, ask his people, how long halt ye between two opinions? If, if it be God, then follow God, but if it be Bel, follow him. Well, we see, the, see uh, Joshua in Joshua twenty-four, fifteen, towards the end, answer this question. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So tonight, as this message progresses, I want you to think about this, that a house that is divided has first been weakened. A house that's been divided has first been weakened. And if we're going to keep our houses from being divided tonight, we're going to have to have strong houses. Each part of our house tonight has to be strong. So you may ask, well, which parts of our house need to be strong? Well, the very first part of your house that needs to be strong is its foundation, The foundation of any home that you build has to be strong. Well, what's our foundation tonight? Our foundation, quite simply put, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of the Bible, and I'll explain what I mean by that in just a minute. If you don't have a strong foundation, your house will not stand. And if you look at verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. You see, Jesus Christ, by the power of God and the strength of God, was able to cast out devils. That's incredible strength, and we do serve a powerfully strong God. So if you're going to build correctly tonight, you're going to have to build on Jesus Christ. If your foundation isn't on Christ, then you've built a fallible foundation. And if you're lost tonight, this is the very first step in getting saved, is accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says to go along with this point. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. So it, this may seem like common sense. I think if you've been around church long enough, you, you have heard this before. You think, well, yeah, you've got to have Jesus as your foundation. And it may seem like common sense. And I really, I, I use the word cliche a lot in are you and I shouldn't. But as a Christian, this may seem cliche, but it's unfortunate because all across America and pulpits across America, they're mixing in Jesus plus something. Jesus plus works, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus prosperity. But the, the true Jesus of the Bible is where you need to have your foundation and no other name in heaven by which we must be saved except Jesus Christ. So, It's him who saves, it's not works, it's not baptism, it's not church attendance, it's not tithing. So where can we find this Jesus? We can find Jesus in the Bible. Once again, that may sound strange, but I want you to listen to this quote. I found this astounding. And the name that I'm about to mention, I'm not casting any aspersions, and I don't want to down anybody who listens to this, but I personally took extreme umbrage to this. But in 2016... In his Easter Sunday message, a guy named Adam Stanley, who's a pastor near Atlanta, Georgia, said, if you said to me, one-on-one, Andy, I'm not a Christian, but I'm going to let you take your best shot at convincing me to follow Jesus, here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't try to convince you with the Bible. I would start with the resurrection of Jesus without the Bible. Now, hopefully I don't have to tell you how fundamentally flawed that is. You can't separate the two, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone who listens to Charles Stanley, but Charles Stanley's son, Andy Stanley, said this. I want you to listen, if you think that I'm, I'm disparaging, I want you to listen to what First John chapter 4, verse 1 says. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Your foundation must be on Jesus Christ, and it has to be Jesus Christ of the Bible. Because if you don't have Jesus Christ of the Bible as your foundation, you end up with heretics, and you end up with Jim Jones, and you end up with David Koresh and cult leaders, and they march people straight into condemnation. So you can't separate the two. So while it may seem cliche that Jesus should be the foundation of your own personal life, your home, and your church, it has to be said Because there are people out there who don't believe that. So, some even here tonight may have built their house, their personal life, their home, or even the church that they regularly visit. They may have built all of that on a beer can. Maybe they built it on sports. Maybe you've built your foundation on your job, or a spouse, or your kids, or anything but Jesus Christ. And then we sit back and we, we're confused about how our life has gone astray. And, and you wonder, how did we go wrong? Well, you went wrong because you built wrong. So tonight we need strong, a strong foundation, which is Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ shed blood covering your sins tonight, your house will fall. It will fall. And when that house falls... Then result is an eternity in hell. So if you're not saved tonight, if you don't know for sure that Jesus is your foundation and Jesus alone, get it right before tonight. So what else must we have in our house? What else must be strong? If we have a strong foundation, we also must have strong walls and a strong roof. Strong walls and a strong roof. These walls and roof withstand troubled times that may come. Listen, a lack of walls and a lack of roof lets anything in. So what, what, tonight is, what tonight is our roof and our walls? Well, it's our doctrine. Our doctrine. Good doctrine is like strong walls and a roof. It gives you support and it gives you protection. I want you to look at verse 30 and why doctrine is important. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Listen, you're either with God or you're not with God. So doctrine, good, sound, strong doctrine, a strong roof and a strong, strong walls, will give you the strength that you need to keep from being put asunder. It will keep the devil out. It will keep you from being divided, which makes your house weak, which makes your house fall. So if we're going to have good doctrine, and keep in mind, doctrine is teaching, all right? Doctrine is teaching and in the sense of the Bible, it's instruction and confirmation in the truths of the gospel. In order to have strong doctrine, we must, we must reject some things tonight. All right. Now, what, I may, what I'm about to say may seem sort of controversial, but if you've been in this church long enough, it's not going to be extremely controversial. But if we're going to have strong walls, a strong roof tonight, we must reject some things. The first thing that we need to reject is ecumenism. And ecumenism is the mixing and melding together of supposed like-minded people. And the reason this is important, the reason that we must reject this ecumenical movement is rarely do you see a church who reaches across the aisle and bring in ideas from other churches be more biblical. Almost always they go too far to the left. And you end up conforming to the world when you do that so we have to tonight reject the ecumenical movement and the bible says in matthew chapter 7 verse 21 not everyone who says lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven just because you say with your mouth that you trust the lord and you believe in god doesn't mean that you get to go to heaven you're you you may not be saved at all a lot of people profess the name of god but they don't show it in the fruits of their actions and they don't, use, they, they don't use the power within the gospel to transform their life. So we have to reject this ecumenical movement. I was reading a, uh, uh, an article just a couple of days ago, and I'm, I'm not about to pick on a, uh, a certain denomination, but I am going to men- mention one denomination as proof positive of what ecumenism does. Uh, just recently, the Methodist Church has had another split. And if you know the history of the Methodist Church, The Methodist Church came from the Church of England, which split from the Catholic Church over the issue of divorce. And over the course of a couple of hundred years, the Church of England would sprout into existence the Methodist Church. And then over the course of a hundred years or so, 150 years after that, we would have the United Methodist Church come to fruition in 1968. And in each situation, each split seemingly got further and further away from the gospel. It got further and further away from sound doctrine. So we must reject ecumenism tonight. Now there is the global Methodist church, which is trying to reel back in some of the left-leaning portions of the United Methodist Church. So I don't, I don't want to disparage anyone tonight who may be watching online or even here visiting who may be Methodist. That's not my intention. My intention is to show you how poisonous ecumenism is. And why we must reject it. If we're going to have strong walls and strong roof tonight, we've got to reject ecumenism. We also have to reject worldly music as a church. And this is a contentious point for a lot of people. And I don't have the time to really delve into this. But if you read in Exodus chapter 32, you see uh, Joshua telling Moses what, what seems to be noises of war around the camp. And Moses goes to check it out and come to find out, yeah, that's probably what they're doing. They're, they're playing instruments, banging on drums, they're dancing, they're partying, they're screaming, singing, whatever. And the, what had just happened previously in Exodus 32 was the, a calf was made out of gold. So oftentimes when our personal life or our homes or our church goes the way of worldly music, we stray doctrinally. We essentially are equated in idolatry. So what else do we reject tonight? The idea of baptismal regeneration. That's the belief that you can wash away your sins. There are, there are people out there who believe that. There are a lot of people out there who believe that. Look, it's not the water that washes away the sins, it's the blood. So we must reject this idea of baptismal regeneration. We also must reject that the idea that only a select few are on their way to heaven and everybody else is out of luck. All right, and this is a contentious point too, but I'm not sorry for what I'm about to say. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that he, he's not slack concerning his promises and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Those words, any and all, cover us all. So we must reject this idea that... Jesus Christ only came to save a select few and the rest of you, sorry, you're out of luck. So, and, and I could, the list could go on and on. There, we could probably come up with a hundred more things that we must reject, but these are just a few. So if we're going to reject a few things to keep our walls strong and our roof strong, we must believe in a few things to counteract that. So if we want to have strong doctrine or strong roof and walls for our house, we must believe in reaching the lost. We must believe in evangelizing. We must believe in door knocking. We must believe in the Great Commission. We find the Great Commission all throughout the, the, the Bible. We see it in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We see it in Luke 24, verse 20, uh, 44 through 49. We see it in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We must believe in reaching the lost. Look, we also, if we want to have strong roof and walls, we must believe in loving the Lord God Almighty. We also must believe in loving our neighbor. We find that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. What else must we believe in the Trinity? We must believe in the Trinity. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. What else do we believe in? Should we believe in? Full submersion when it comes to baptism. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 Says Jesus straightway come up out of the water, and what long after that, God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Romans chapter 6, verse 4 tells us why it must be full submersion, because it's a snapshot, a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we must believe in full submersion. And like I said, we don't have time to go over all of the nuances tonight. Because there are a lot of biblical doctrines that we could have pulled out of this. And lastly, this isn't in my notes, but this could somewhat be controversial as well. But I believe that the King James Bible is the true Bible for the, the English-speaking believer. Yeah. And I'm not sorry for that either. And I'm not, I'm not the type of person who's going to hit you over the head with that. But I believe if we're going to have strong doctrine, we've got to have a correct Bible. And I'll get, if anybody has any questions about that and my own personal belief about that, I'll be, be happy to answer it. I'll be happy to show you why I feel that way. But once again, I'm not, I'm not going to hit anybody over the head based on what they believe. So what else must we have? Not only should we have a strong foundation and not only should we have strong walls and roof in our house, if we want to keep the devil out and our houses from being weakened, our own personal walk, Our homes and our church, if we want to keep those strong, we have to have strong inhabitants. Strong inhabitants. You, yourself, us, all of us need to be strong. We've got to do this in order to prevent something from coming in. So we need lively stones tonight. When when we were born, we were dead stones. We had no life in us whatsoever. But when we got saved, we became living stones. So listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up, built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So if you want to have strength tonight, you've got to rely on Jesus Christ and you have to be a lively stone. If you stack a bunch of stones together, they get really strong. They build houses, as a matter of fact. So if you want to have a strong house, we, all of us, need to be strong. I want you to look at verse 29. There's a a very good question that Jesus asks here. He says, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? So how how does the strong man get bound here? How does the strong man get bound here? Well, we see that it could be his foundation is off. It could be that he doesn't have a strong wall or a strong roof over his house. So what we need are strong people. We need dads to be strong. We need moms to be strong. We need parents to be strong. Listen to this, listen to this fact. I, this, this blew my mind. As I was preparing for this message, I was doing some research, and this is, these are facts about parents as it pertains to church attendance. This is mind-boggling. The fact is, if mom and dad go to church regularly, 33% of kids from these homes are likely to be regular church attendees. That's if both parents go to church regularly. If dad is non-practicing and mom is regular at church, only 2% of children will attend church regularly. So if dad is non-regular and mom is regular, that number jumps to 3% of children will attend church regularly. But if dad leads the way, that number jumps from 33%, the first number I gave you, to 38%. So what do these facts bear out? That if we're strong in our faith, parents, our children will follow suit. And if you're going to defeat the devil, if you're going to keep your house standing, if you're going to keep your walk pure, if you're going to keep your church pure, if you're going to keep your homes pure, we need to be strong. So if we're going to be strong, though... It's going to take work, and that's the next thing. If, it's, if, it's, if we're going to be strong, we need to have a strong work ethic. We need to have a strong work ethic. I want you to look at verse 29 again. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first buying the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? So if you want to be strong, you have to work at it. You have to work at it if you want to prevent collapse. You can't be lazy, and if you want to build a strong house, we have to be willing to work for it. It takes a lot of effort, and this doesn't come by accident. So it takes a lot of work if you want to have a strong house. You see, a lazy person will raise lazy people who are too lazy to read their Bibles and too lazy to go to church and do all the things that they're supposed to. And we don't don't always see this, but the fruits of this show itself when we're not strong, our families aren't strong. So as I was reading verse 29, I couldn't help but to, to think of Brother Lenny Brother Lenny Thompson. The, the, the question Jesus asked is, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? And when I think of strong man, I think of Brother Lenny. I really do. And I can just see this person coming into Brother Lenny's house. And we know that Brother Lenny is strong. And I can just see this person coming into Brother Lenny's house. And he's got his bag that he's going to take the spoils out of the house with. And he's got a rope that he's going to tie the strong man up. And he comes up to Brother Lenny and he's like, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm so sorry that I've done what I meant to go next door. I'm, I'll leave you alone. Sir, please don't, please don't hurt me. Now, that's kind of, kind of funny in a way to think about that happening. You see, Brother Lenny didn't get to be the way he is on accident. It took work. Now, let's apply that to our spiritual lives, all right? If you want to be able to resist the devil, you have to have a strong walk. You have to work at it. It's not going to come easy because we have flesh, and we live in a fleshly body. So if you want to have a strong house tonight, you need to have a strong work ethic. You have to spiritually be willing to work for what's right. So not only should we have a strong work ethic to provide for us, we need something else in our houses tonight both in our personal life, both in our church, both in in our homes, all three. We need strong windows. We need strong windows uh, to let the light in. Let me explain to this. Look at verse 25 again. Windows are important because, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. You see, a window will let you look out and see the great need that is before you. A window lets you see your country being divided. A window also lets things in as well. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's, it's a two-way street here. A window lets you see the great need outside. Well, personally with us, our, our eyes are our windows to the soul. So we must have strong windows tonight. And the purpose of the window is to let light in, but the bad thing is windows can be broken. How many of you have ever driven downtown, and you can pick anywhere, any city that has a downtown, and you'll notice that there are buildings that are dilapidated. The windows are busted, there's graffiti all over the building, and that only comes about because there weren't strong people living there. People have gone, they've moved on. And you see the windows getting busted out because I believe those windows are weak. And if you apply that to your spiritual life, if you don't have strong windows to see the great need outside and to protect yourself from the things that can get in, the devil will get in and he'll destroy your, your personal walk, he'll destroy your home, and he'll destroy the church. So we must have strong windows. So some people say that the eyes are the window to the soul. I would actually argue that it's the heart. And the heart is the source of our belief, and it's where repentance begins. It's where all the issues of life come from. So a weak heart leads to a weak house, which leads to a divided house, which leads to to it falling. And a strong heart will do the complete opposite. It will lead to a strong house. So not only do we need to have a strong foundation, strong roof and walls, strong inhabitants, strong work ethic, strong windows, we also need strong doors to reinforce this house. To reinforce our house. Now, you may ask yourself, well, what's the door to the church? I would say the door to our church is the pastor. We have to have a strong pastor. You have to have a strong door. The purpose of a door is to let things in or to get things out. So, what about our homes? Well, our homes, the door to our homes are the parents. We've already looked at the facts. We have to have strong parents, we have to have strong doors. What about our personal lives? What about our personal walk, our Christian walk? Well, we have, to have strong, uh, we have to have strong doors, and our eyes are the door to our mind. So we have to be guarded. We have to have strong eyes to prevent things from getting in that shouldn't be there. Because what ends up happening is your mind gets contorted based on the, based on the, the eyes here. If you look at verse 29 again, you'll see that the strong man is bound in this house, and the only way you can get into a house is through a door. Most of the time, I mean, some people in in the Bible have climbed over, you know, through roofs and things like that, but most of the time, you can come through a window, or you can do it the easy way and come through the door. So, if you'll see at the end of verse 29 here, we see that the spoils of this strong man's house have been taken. And I genuinely believe this is because the door to the house was weak, the parent's and if there's a dad involved, the dad was weak. And I genuinely think that the devil, in a lot of situations, he doesn't even have to stand at the door and knock. The door is wide open. And we just, we're, we're, we're letting the devil in. The windows are up. The door is open. There's holes in the roof. There's holes in the walls. And we just step back and we're so confused about how the devil got in when none of our house is strong. So, I have, sorry about that. I have a, a picture that I wanted to show you guys. Um, I, I think they'll they'll probably be loading it, but I want to give you some background to this uh, to this picture. This is Brother Jeremiah tossing a snake out of the port off of my back porch. I was I was away from the house, and a snake got into the back patio and my wife called me and she's panicking. Is it it poisonous? And I'm telling her, I don't think it is, but don't play with it just in case. And we actually had a video of this, but um, we had to edit a lot of it because uh, for various reasons, our neighbor um, was was next door partying and we didn't want to put that in the video. But this is the pastor. Uh, And many of you probably didn't know that the pastor moonlighted as a snake tosser, but there's proof of it right there. And if you look, I think if you look to the right, you can probably see the snake, the, the shadow of the snake or the blur of the snake. But I was not there to handle the snake. So the pastor came and handle, handled the snake for me. Now, I'm not exactly sure how the, the snake got in, to be honest. It could be that the door was left open or it could have came through a hole in the wall or the, the foundation or whatever. But um, a, a lot of times, this is what happens in our spiritual life. We, we have holes in our roof. We have holes in our walls. Our uh, are doors are wide open. And we call on the pastor to come and try to chase the snakes away. When all we had to do from the beginning was have a strong foundation. And have strong people living there. And a strong window and a strong door. All too often, we ask the pastor to clean up the mess when it's really preventable. So... Uh, what's the last thing that we need tonight? The last thing that we need tonight is a strong prayer closet, a strong pl- a prayer closet. If you'll look at verse 29, once again, you'll see that one of the ways that this strong man could have avoided being tied up in the first place is his prayer life. If you were to wrap this entire message up and, and conclude with this point, it would be a good coda, it would be a good end. Because your prayer closet, this is where we talk to God. This is where we talk to the, our foundation. This is where we have our protection. So uh, Corey Ten Boom once made a very good remark. She said, she asked the question, is prayer your steering wheel or is it a spare tire? In other words, do you use prayer to get you where you need to go? Or do you pull prayer out every now and then when you think you need it? You see, the truth of the matter is you need prayer all the time, not just when you think you need it. So Cor- Corey Ten Boom had a very good question to ask right there. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And I have uh, a personal example of this, and I told our RU people this last Friday night, but with RU, it's a, it's a very difficult ministry. And I, just two weeks ago, about an hour and a half before RU was to start, I got down on my knees... in my bedroom, and I prayed to the Lord. I asked God, I said, God, I'm going to need you to help me tonight. I'm going to need you to be in this ministry because I can't do it on my own. And so I said the prayer, and it was a fervent prayer, but it was short. And I got up and I came to RU, and about five minutes before RU started, we had two visitors walk through the door. And no sooner than we had about a two-minute conversation... It was apparent the reason why the, 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 the man was there. And uh, without going into details, God answered my prayer. I See, I used prayer that night as a steering wheel and not a spare tire. And I fear all too often that we don't go to our prayer clauses like we should. And I fear that we just use prayer as a spare tire. Well, that night, God answered my prayer in a mighty way. And I, I use this example, too, while uh, the, the same night, just a couple of years ago, I was working offshore, and my, my ritual would be I would get up in the morning, I would read my Bible, I would pray, and then I would take the kids to the bus stop, and then I would go to the gym or get a shake and then go to the gym, one or the other. And so I got on my knees and I prayed to God. I said, God, I need someone to witness to today. Lord, send me somebody that I can talk to you about I can tell them about you, Lord. So I said my prayer. It was very short. I got up, and I went on about my business. About 30 minutes later, I'm in Planet Nutrition getting my shake, and all of a sudden, I see a shadow descend upon me. And I start to panic because I'm thinking, I don't know what this guy's about to do because I mean, it's, it's a big shadow, and the guy was not small. So I hear the doorbell ring, and I kind of I look back because I need to know what this big shadow is. And I look back, and it was a massive man. And he was coming to me very gently, but behemoth of a man. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm dead. The guy had menace in his eyes. At least that's what I thought. So he came to me. He had his wallet out, and he said, "Look, man, I don't need money." I'm like, "Okay, good. What, what do you need? You know, if you don't need money, what? Take my car then." I don't. So, anyway, long story short, with that, I come to find out, his name was Darren Rogers. And he just needed a ride because he was on probation and was about to miss miss his probation meeting or whatever. The bus had uh, left him and he was going to be late, which would have put him in some serious trouble. So he was in desperate need of a ride. And guess what I got to do? I got to witness to Darren. And it blew my mind. And look, it shouldn't, right? Because God is a God who answers prayers. But it blew my mind that God answered my prayers. You see, those two instances, I darkened the doors of my prayer closet. And I genuinely use prayer as a steering wheel rather than a spare tire. So I would encourage you tonight that if you use prayer as a spare tire, change that, let it be your steering wheel. So um, if you want to have victory tonight, if you want to keep the deceiver out, if you want to have a better personal walk, if you want your homes to be better, if you want your church to be better, listen, it starts in the home, but it starts with us first. You've got to have a strong foundation. You've got to have strong roof and walls. You've got to have a strong, uh, strong people. You've got to have strong work ethic. You've got to have strong windows, doors, and a prayer closet. So as we close tonight, I, I want to ask you how your house looks today. How does our house look today? Is it in need of repairs to keep it from falling? Because if it is, you can get that right tonight. And I fear that we have a lot of homes, a lot of houses that are in, in need of repair tonight. So with uh, every head bowed and every eyes closed, maybe tonight...